0: Hello and welcome to Naturally Smart People. What would be the toolkit or the ingredients for future planetary life? What are the things that we need to think about and bring together collectively that could help us to overcome some of the current impasses and actually begin to solve and uh, regenerate the environments that we live in for the better both for uh, the human beings on, on the Earth and also for all other life forms. Those are the sorts of questions that my friend Alexander Crawford is exploring in his work over in Sweden and internationally. Um, I got in touch with him a few days ago and we recorded this conversation and then failed completely on my part to push the record button. So we had a second bite this morning and I have to say sometimes it's great to do it twice and have a second attempt because you actually get even better than the first time round. So thanks to Alex for sticking with it. And um, I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did this morning. I've just been reading um, Rena Maria Rilke's Letters to a Young Poet. Ah, isn't, it, oh, that's, isn't that, it beautiful? It's just an extraordinary piece of work. And there's a lovely uh, a lovely piece in it that um I came across talking about really talking about an artist's life, but the idea not to calculate and count, to grow and ripen like a tree which does not hurry the flow of its sap and stands at ease in the spring gales without fearing that no summer may follow. It will come. You know, that whole thing about the emergence and inevitability of changes, and we just live with that. You know, And and
1: yet we spend so much time trying to fight it or ignore Mm. it or, um, Mm. yeah, yeah, go against it, which isn't... Uh, which is a pretty futile quest, actually, when you think of it. But yeah. uh, it's uh, it takes so much time, in the you know. In mm. the,
0: I wonder in why lives, we do it. Lives of so many. I wonder why we do it. Whether it's because it helps us to define ourselves, or whether it's just because we sort of miss the point most of the time.
1: <laughs> I think it's the latter. I think it's a bit of missed the point. Mm. Uh, Brian Arthur, uh, the economist, and. Uh, He's a you know systems thinker and uh, quite you know quite renowned um, unorthodox economist. Yeah, uh, he he held a speech about a year ago or nine months ago here a presentation here in Stockholm which I attended where he had a beautiful beautiful metaphor which he talked about economics but I think it's actually valid in other ways. He he he, he describes. You know, especially the quest of the researcher, of the, of the intellectual, as mm. basically you know, an explorer or a mountain climber. And he describes how, in his domain in economics, how and he described it very beautifully and illustratively. How um, you know this group was would be you know you start you start down low and first you make your way through the rainforest or the jungle and um, you know and then <laughs> you so you get out of woods but it's very foggy and uh, you don't really see much ahead and you don't really know where you're going but you keep progressing and, and then you gain a little bit of confidence. You know we're making mm. progress. We're make, you know we're climbing steadily and uh, you know day by day campsite by campsite we're you know we're we're getting there we're getting there and we feel that yeah this is almost it but it's still foggy and cloudy and you can't really see your surroundings and then you know it keeps going on and on and on and then you you actually feel that oh my god we're almost at the top we've almost got this (laughs) Um, and then the sky clears and you discover you know a few miles away the mountain that is much <laughs> higher and much more beautiful, which is the mountain that you actually wanted to climb. <laughs> That's and cool. what do you do in that circumstance? Of course, yeah. and of course, you know, many people somehow you need to convince yourself and others that well actually we are still climbing the right mountain mm. this is the right mountain it may not look like the right <laughs> mountain and more and more people are telling us that hey guys that's not the right mountain you're not climbing the right mountain mm. uh, because the, the because actually and and that goes back i think to what we talked about last time uh, mm. it goes back to the, the 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 fact that the effort of going all the way back down again in the metaphorical intellectual set or the metaphor of the intellect, going back down again actually means, of course, it means renouncing privileges and renouncing positions, Mm. but it also means renouncing, you know, Uh, dearly held beliefs and models and theories because Mm. they're also what we taught ourselves during our futile climb up the wrong mountain. Yeah, I think
0: this is part of this thing that numerous people have talked about, including myself and I I think you have, in terms of this transition from ego to eco. You know, it's yeah. one of those yeah. characteristics of that, isn't it? It's that recognition yeah. that yeah, we've just got to let go of some of this stuff and and yeah,
1: exactly. And, and but emerge it's, into it's... something
0: different. And how that becomes meaningful is dependent, really, along along the, the lines of whether we we're true to it ourselves, but also whether we can work out with others if. It's a different form of collaboration and combination, I think. Mm. Moving away it from is. the individual yeah. solution to something yeah. much more connected. Yeah it, yeah, it is.
1: And also the challenge of all of this is that we are not, you know, we're not inside the, um, the structures and institutions that are somehow, the, at least mm. seemingly, the foundations of the mountain that we're trying to climb. Mm.
0: Uh, mm.
1: And our friends who are inside... Uh, I mean, we're in the very, you know, luxurious position of being on the outside, not luxurious in the sense of income and and social standings, but uh, luxurious in the, you know, in the personal sense. It's the space. And and our friends who are inside are, you know, are just especially those who see what we are doing and look at look at us, I think, with a great deal of envy Mm. um, and somehow also have the ambition. Um I mean these aren 't really people it 's not the kind of uh, gold golden handcuff thing that they're mm-hmm. in the in the structures because they need the money it 's more that they are you know they they have a genuine belief that they perhaps can change things from mm-hmm. within the institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just yesterday in London, or on Wednesday afternoon in London, I had a meeting with an old friend who's at the LSE, a, a professor mm-hmm. and who, ha- who heads a you know very very beautiful and ambitious new institute there that is all do- doing with global governance and you know et cetera et cetera, mm-hmm. and um, you know giving policy advice to prime ministers or, uh, around the world, and you know they're mm-hmm. very you know it's a very a very blue chip, high powered group, but you could feel that frustration constantly (laughs) that, you know, what is it I'm doing? This is, you know, this, am I trying, when I try to push this machine or push this a little bit, nudge it in the right direction and you feel the forces, the forces of incumbents and of, 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 of structures just wanting to, you know keep pushing it in the right, in the other direction
0: it's very strange isn't it that human beings have managed in a matter of relatively short time because i think this has come primarily since industrialization um, yeah. managed to establish organizations and systems and structures which were i'm sure genuinely put together for good purpose yeah. to make yeah. things better but yeah. actually now yeah. are Massively impeding a new
1: completely. iteration
0: of change that's required.
1: Oh, completely, completely. And and I think to be fair, I think the West has a larger, um, well, bears a larger yeah. burden of responsibility because many of these institutions are shaped much more along the Western way of thinking and Western, both intellectual and organizational sure. models. Yeah, which me- which means that I I sense that. You know, if you look at something like the Chinese Communist Party, mm. which is, you know, as heavy an institution as they come, is still, I don't quite see it suffering from the same kind of um, of, of problem as our institutions, mm. Mm. Uh, for some reason. I don't know why, uh, and maybe it's wishful thinking, but there's something in that that makes it a little different.
0: Well, certainly recent evidence from what was going on in China in terms of their focus around the green changes are, yeah, are yeah, powerfully yeah. different to what we're getting from Western politicians. and Oh, completely. Western, you know.
1: Yeah, completely. I just read yesterday that the, what was it, that 50,000 soldiers from the People's Liberation Army had now been commandeered out in the provinces around Beijing to plant trees.
0: Gosh, <laughs> and
1: you can <laughs> feel that it, you know it's hubris at one level. It's you know it's futile perhaps at the grander scale of things. But uh, in the very focused effort on you know improving the air and the life in Beijing, uh, everybody knows, all, and all scientists would say that well, were we surrounded by forests, it mm. would probably improve things. Uh, and yeah. therefore you decide, okay, what can we do? Let's send out fifty thousand soldiers <laughs> to plant trees. Intention. I think it was like, you know, twenty five million trees or something they were planting wow. place. Just- it's just crazy but I mean, it goes as a, to as that a, that
0: there's a declared intention that's interesting in its own right abs- no exactly
1: yeah. there's a declared intention and a uh you know 100 focused on focus on the problem at hand and mm. also uh somehow a realization that it's better to do something than to do nothing
0: mm. Mm. yeah it's it, it, yeah, yeah. It's I'm just thinking about that in in the you know it's are you That's, recording, by the way? Or oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah
1: okay. <laughs> I was waiting. I was no, waiting no. You no, no we're minutes, fu- we're fully minutes, on board. You'll say, okay, let's. Uh, maybe we should focus
0: on. That. <laughs> no, no, we'll just <laughs> roll along. You know. No, it's yeah, great. I'm. Yeah, yeah. um, I'm just thinking about that. In in fifty thousand people working on the land to do to put things into the land mm. with a deliberate purpose. Now. Mm bear with me on this for a minute okay I've been I've been thinking a lot this week and reading quite a lot this week on the theme of resonance frequency which is something that Ray really got me interested in when he was talking about the work going on the uh, water and on the farm yeah. um in, in China and anyway I, I, I sort of got in via that route but the more I read into it the more intrigued I got with the whole idea of of activity which functions not at the sort of day-to-day human level, but at the quantum level. So intentions that we have collectively are as much a practical thing, but they're also uh, a physical... Sorry, they're a physical thing, but they're also as, as a group idea, an intention to do something that creates a, a, a different form of frequency of intention. I'm not really expressing myself very well here. But but, but the point is that um, in a lot of the research that's coming through on this that that seems to be particularly interesting is it's starting to pull together three key threads. One is to do with magnetism, that at the atomic particle level we are magnetic, we're to do with light and we're to do with frequency. So we're the sum of those parts. And every living thing on the planet basically is affected and it affects that so if you get collective groups of people doing something together you can effectively create a a quantum change and 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 it sounds a bit woo woo really but I think there's something really interesting in it in that we get the feel of it sometimes if you're in a crowd like a football crowd or something you get a buzz Mm. Um, and that's focused around people attending to a match for example yeah now i can't see anything massively different for a fee- people focusing to the planting of a massive number of trees that you wouldn't necessarily get a similar sort of cumulative effect which then goes beyond the place itself that's where i'm getting to but these things yeah. then have a resonance that's way bigger than the immediate environment that it, ten- it attends to and I, yeah. I, and I'm sure that's something in your explorations into China. You must have come across. I mean, the, the stuff that those guys are into in the in, at the farm. Um, oh,
1: completely. Is, and even even in other areas where you hear about initiatives where, um, I mean. <laughs> uh, the, my instinct when you hear about something that sounds a little mumbo jumbo in China is to say, oh, yeah, but that's only I mean, that's some some variation of traditional Chinese medicine or, yeah. uh, you know, uh, practices or something. And it's completely normal. I don't understand that because that's, you mm-hmm. know, that comes from a different Lineage and a different um, uh, tradition, and mm-hmm. and a different, you know, a different body of knowledge, really, about how the body works and how the universe works and how the planet and nature works, and etc. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes you hear of initiatives that are actually, you know, that 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 don't come from China. There is this one medical, I don't remember the details, but it is some kind of wave, um, yeah, microwave emitting large machine that is being used to treat, uh, I think in particular to you to treat cancer. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and this is developed by some German. Um, I think he was a physicist and then applied it to medicine. And I think they actually call it some kind of quantum medicine or quantum something. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, you know, being adopted and embraced and uh, expanded uh, in China. We met this was a year ago, uh, we met with a, a, a hospital the director from Shanghai, the director of one of the Shanghai's you know, 23 hospitals, and you can imagine the size of those hospitals, mm-hmm. um, and she had been tasked at a national level to oversee the introduction of this technology to China, and okay i didn't look into the details but i remember thinking gosh this is a bit of a mind twister for me because if you know if it had been you know something mm-hmm. based around acupuncture or something based around plants or uh, or the, the other at least to me, to my very ignorant uh, views of of Chinese medicine, uh, something that you can firmly kind of categorize as, oh, yeah, okay, that's mumbo-jumbo to me, but that's because it's that. But this mm. wasn't. This was something else. Mm. Then, you know, then you are a little bit, um, you know, there is obviously not only something, I would assume something there because these aren't, um, you know s- s-
0: uh, yeah they're applying they're real, were, a real yeah, they're, they're, real they're world problems. I mean this isn't yeah.
1: superstitions this isn't no, no. this isn't uh, something like that um, but it it but it's also uh, you know the flip side of that is that it 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 uh, reminds me or it exemplifies that there are new developments probably taking place in our in you know in our backyards that
0: mm-hmm. our
1: structures are choosing not to develop and not to look at for various reasons mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I've, and yeah. I mean, not least in the area of cancer treatment. I, I mean, for various reasons, and I've had close relatives who've been through treatments and you, you, you know, on the one hand you're, you're, you are, um, you marvel at the, still the success mm. rates, the mm. relative success rates of many treatments in the West. But on the other hand, you also, as soon as you dig a little bit, you, you're, you also, um, you, you almost marvel in one strange way. You marvel as, at how much we don't know, and you marvel at how at all the impasses, therapeutic and treatment impasses that have been taking place over the last twenty, thirty, forty years in various areas where everybody thinks that now we've cracked it, and then you go for ten years into one direction, and after ten years you have actually have to realize that well, nah, nah, this That's wasn't right. quite
0: it. Well, one of one of the things that I came to in this reading this week around the effect of, of mobile phone waves. And yeah, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a beekeeper in the past, yeah. I mean, we, we haven't got a colony yeah. at the moment because I was so devastated when we lost about eight colonies at once one season a few years ago. Mm. I got very interested in that whole idea of frequency then as well because there was a radio mass that was put up to transmit the mo- the um, mobile mm. things mm. around our valley. Mm. Anyway, because nobody would accept that that would be a, a factor in what's going on with the bees. However, it transmits at a at a frequency round about correspondent to the frequency that the bees use in order to navigate. So it's ah, of course, seven point eight hertz, yeah. and um, the, the the orientation of those bees certainly started to go pear shaped, and eventually they just the whole colony just fell fell to pieces. Yeah. What what. What intrigues me about that was there was then some research done in one of the universities. I'll put it on the end of this podcast, the reference to it. It was a very interesting study where um, a group of scientists in Germany put mobile phones into some hives and then left another bunch of hives free of the mobile home phones. And the knock-on effect was that the hives that didn't have the phone succeeded. The ones that did, they the bees basically just left. So... The the fact we can't see this and the fact that we can't touch it, you know, it's one of those characteristic parts of human condition, I think, that makes it very difficult for us to accept that there are things going on around that are not part of our control system. Completely.
1: No, completely. Two reflections on that. mm -hmm. One is that I remember maybe 10 years ago when we were... um, I was working with the Talbert Forum at the time, and we were uh, we used in a way the Talbert Forum in two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, to um, you know basically take climate science and bring that into governance structures and into um, into the minds at least, or at- attempting to bring. The science more into the minds of corporate leaders and government leaders mm. and others so we had quite a few sessions early mm. on actually i mean jim hansen came to address the telbert forum i think in wow. 2006 um which was i mean it's not early in any way shape or form in the scientific community but in the broader governance community it was fairly early yeah um and then a number of others and that got us thinking a lot about how um you know how <sighs> innovations or discoveries um, that really help humanity are immediately embraced and there is no way really you can when that discovery comes up um, emerges and starts spreading that you can at that moment Think about all the knock-on effects yeah. and all the um, yeah. all the uh, unintended consequences, mm. and it's not really fair to lay the blame on cli- of climate change, on you know the the the, the, um, the oil oh, explorers the of the 1860s yeah. or yeah. 1880s, or on mm. the coal miners in, in Lancashire, you know, mm, over yeah. 100 years ago, mm. um, and yet. The blame is fair and squarely theirs. Mm. Um, and uh, we we talked a friend and I. We, we talked about we we coined the notion of the big whoopses, the, <laughs> the, the unintended technology, the unintended consequences of certain technological. And you can broaden it as well to social changes or or you know anything. But it's those moments where, you know, for very natural reasons, you you set out climbing one mountain and then you discover again going back to the mountain (laughs) metaphor that whoops this was the wrong one and had we known of course we would have done something different but on the other hand there was really no way of knowing and when you look at, you know, you look at smoking, you look, and then that means that for us today, there is a question of, you know, which are the big whoopses during our lifetimes or the past two generations lifetimes mm. where we will discover in two, three, four generations that, oh, whoops, that mm. was not a very good, um, it wasn't very wise to yeah. fill the air with um Lots and lots of artificial waves, uh, such as mobile phones or wireless or things like that, Um, and uh, and you know, could we know? No, but um, you know, the consequences are there, and we then have to find ways to cope with that.
0: Well, I think it's partly about ways of seeing as well, because what we what we you know the the bees in a sense are possibly (laughs) mixed metaphors the canary in the coal mine, but they, they they are one of a number of species that are on a massive period of die out and the question yeah. is why you know it's, yeah. it's, it's possibly environmental but i think there's equally just as much possibility that we could be looking at something as a result of that shift of frequency moving yeah. us moving those creatures off of a, a capability to tune into the human frequency at the planetary level and then you know you have a whole other set of broken connections that then 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 result and these things are delicate aren't they i mean they've taken billions of years to evolve or millions of years to evolve and in the last 25 years we've put in a, an absolutely enormous gargantuan change to the frequency of the environments we operate inside
1: exactly and yet, no, you know no, it, exactly I think, and,
0: I think you're right you know we are in that very very strange moment where perhaps for the first time ever because of the way we connect globally we should have known better or we should know better about being a little bit more cautious on some of these things that are now clearly human effect related. Yeah.
1: Um, No, it's it's true. One other, um, at least an ingredient that's helped me think about these things is actually, again, going back to Brian Arthur and one of his books called The Nature of Technology, which is a very, very good, Mm. it's kind of, it's not a history of technology, but it's a it's a um, some somethingology of technology. So it's um, you okay. know the, uh, looking at what is basically technology, and um, he of course tackles the issue of you know why some technologies are adapted and embraced, and others aren't, um, mm-hmm. and what it is that makes us as individuals and collectives embrace certain um certain technologies and and he lands in a really interesting conclusion where he talks about that the the technologies that we uh embrace are the ones that to use his phrase are the ones that enhance our humanness Mm. Um, Mm. and the ones we reject are the ones that somewhere somehow at some level for at least for a majority of people feel You know, non-human or inhuman. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. taking that, and now these are my examples, not his. But Mm -hmm. I think the whole notion of you know singularity and life, life enhancement, and uh, you know uh, brain implants and things like that. One of the reasons why that's I don't think really that's going to fly is because I think at a very very you know at a deep level that is not enhancing our humanness that is destroying our humanness mm. uh, and therefore we won't really um adapt that maybe mm. maybe this is wishful thinking i don't know but um and on the other hand if you look at things and i'm i'm, I'm not talking about uh the you know the the the, the telecommunication waves no no uh, at that level, but that so that social media that, you know, Facebook is expanding or has been expanding so incredibly rapidly over the last four or five years or eight years mm-hmm. is because social media is a technology that enhances our humanness. We want yeah. to communicate. We want to know about what our, you know, friends and relatives on the other side of the earth, what they're doing. So, you know, here comes a tool that can help us do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful. We'll, we'll embrace that. And we feel at some Strange level. I think we feel more human when we, um, you know, when I know what my, you know, what my cousin is up to in San Francisco. Well,
0: we're storytellers, um, aren't we? You know, or, uh, yeah, fundamentally, yeah. We, just, we like telling stories and sharing yeah. stories.
1: And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, no so, so, and I think, I mean, going back to you know my work and mm. what we've been doing, what I've been doing over the last decade or so, which is you know designing and producing really mainly, you know, gatherings and processes where people can get together and talk about, not least talk about these kinds of things. Mm. Um, it's it's pretty obvious that, the, that in times such as these, the need for are, arenas for, uh, you know, open explorative conversations mm. uh, enhanced by culture and music and dance and poetry and also enhanced by experiences in nature mm-hmm. are um, are such a you know powerful tool <laughs> and in a way you could say that the if you if you look at some of these gatherings as technological innovations of course they are beloved and embraced because they also enhance our humanness spending mm-hmm. time together like we did in Milmont last uh, outside mm-hmm. paris last year was a deeply deeply human experience mm-hmm. um and in that sense of course we love being in uh, together and uh, but beyond the just you know just being together there's also this very very important process of learning together, um, to use Nora Bateson's uh, Mm -hmm. terminology. And uh, she's done a lot of work, uh, you know, in a way, theorizing and explaining Mm -hmm. this need to learn together. And she's even coined a term to, um, she calls it simathasy, the act of of learning together. Now, Mm -hmm. my Chinese friends tell me that there are about four chinese words to that say the same that you know that capture this same notion and it may be interesting or mm. <laughs> it may be worth thinking about why you know we just don't have a word for the process of learning together and they do uh, but still in this simatasy as nora calls it um there is uh there is a you know let's call it a toolbox a, a lack of a toolbox or a lack yeah. of a lack of example how do you do it Mm-hmm. How do you design a gathering? In my case, because that's what I mainly do. Mm-hmm. How do you do a gathering that maximizes that maximizes the the learning together? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you, one obviously, you know, one key component is to make sure that those gatherings are obviously multi-stakeholder. Uh, I was describing earlier about my friend. At at the LSE, who heads the Institute for Global Affairs, Um, he he really loves these kinds of um, you know uh, these kinds of uh, gatherings, uh, but it's very hard to convince. The powers that be, the people at the top of the large institutions at national and global level, to take the time to actually engage in the act of learning together.
0: Yeah, uh, as so a you methodology, need, you mean? It, it's it's an alien metho- methodology. And a, absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: and and it's also, I mean, it's it's um, uh, it's it's a uh, there's there are few, you know, historical cultural traditions where uh, at least that are on our or on my, you know, mm. historical radar screen of anthropology of cultures where they had mastered the 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 the, the, the methods mm. to uh, learn together mm. Uh, mm. because it needs to be multi-stakeholder, of course, for you know go, um, stakeholders from 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 different areas it needs at an intellectual level to be cross-disciplinary because we all know what happens if uh you know economists only economists get together only sociologists or only um you know physical chemists or chemical physicists or you know whichever (laughs) specialty you want to choose uh but then it also needs to be and again i'm using a nora bateson term it needs to be trans-contextual and i guess that's what we're doing for instance with the chinese that we're we're because that meeting is, you know, it's it's not so much multi-stakeholder or cross-disciplinary, but it is very much trans-contextual. trans-contextual mm. Because my context, context, and the context of of, um, of um, my Chinese friends is is really quite different. Mm. If you if you dig in it, at one mm. level maybe it isn't, or at many levels it isn't. But if if you uh, engage in a open explorative conversation about bigger issues or about Mm. um just talking about the future you will soon discover that uh your context and your your baggage is really very um very different Mm. uh and 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 then of course you know designing the process by which you make sure that the time you spend together uh enhances that um, that learning together um or Put it another way, that you try to design a process where you maximize the at least the potential for new insights to emerge Mm -hmm. um, in all the different people. Um, That's a toolbox that's different from the traditional conference organizing. Um, toolbox of, you know, PowerPoints or TED Talks or you know or or uh, yeah, so seminar they, papers or you know uh,
0: quite didactic methods of working. Really, the ones that would yeah. be would you know we would not be unfamiliar with going to conferences and feeling there would need to be a keynote and a plenary session and a breakout time etc. And that and formula, then you, yeah, and you when know, you think, is,
1: when you think about that experience, usually hmm. what has happened is that people will have brought their projects Mm, mm. and present their initiatives Mm. and talk about their work and Mm. not uh they will rarely have again to use an admonition that we always um used when preparing participants to the Telberg forum we used to tell them bring your questions not your projects Mm. Um, (laughs) uh, and, and because you know there are plenty of avenues where um, or plenty of venues, sorry, of meetings where you go to pitch your project and pitch your and talk about your latest book. Mm. Um, but again, what we were telling the, um, especially the people who were writing books, was again that now, well, you don't come to. Our gathering to talk about your latest book you come to our gathering to get the ideas for your next book yeah
0: um, right.
1: of course it's a little hubris from our side but, uh, but it's at least it's um,
0: it's, it's coming uh, with a very different perspective on what what the individuals expectations of the event may be but also what the events expectations of the individuals that the oh, there's, there's a very interesting relationship change there going on isn't there from just a delivery mechanism yeah into something yeah. quite different in terms of no, and it's yeah. actually expecting people to trust trust the unexpected to trust into the into the yeah into the exposure yeah. of not knowing what to do as much as knowing what to do or say it's that gap isn't it that becomes interesting this is where your twitter feed always i love it curious about trends passionate about dots it's that where you where you're hinting i think is the, the gaps in between and the bits where we really start to formulate something different yeah yeah yeah
1: because um, again you know going back just looking out around the world today i mean it's 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 not looking good in so many areas mm. and one way of looking at it is to do what you know. Many of our friends, not least in the, let's say, in the sustainability community or in the environmental movement, is to say, um, "Yeah, this is what we've been saying for 20, 30, 40 years, and people haven't listened. So maybe now they're starting to listen to what we've been saying, and maybe now they will start adopting our recipes for um, for, for change." Um, but you know, I'm 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 afraid mm-hmm. that. Uh, for for various reasons, that may not be the it may not be the best way forward because mm. Mm. yeah it's not that their diagnosis is wrong in any way uh, in many cases it is but uh, one in some cases especially when you come to the more you know the social systems the human systems the economic systems their analysis is based on uh, empirical you know work or on uh, uh, on looking at the world such as it was you know 20 or 30, or maybe in some cases even, you know, 50 years ago. Mm. Uh, And Mm. the world has changed quite a lot since the 50s and 60s when, you know, many of the textbooks were written, both the mainstream textbooks of, you know, uh, Mm. economics and others, but also the textbooks of, um, you know, global governance and political science and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And uh, and there, you know, the, the world has changed so much that one needs to, It's not a question of throwing all the old away, but it's having the really important conversation about what parts of the old do we need to carry with us as we progress, and Mm. what parts do we actually need to leave behind. Mm. Uh, A metaphor that I think about a lot is uh, it comes from a quite brilliant historical book, uh, history book about the 1930s by a British historian called Pierce. What's the name? Not Pierce Brosnan, but Pierce. <laughs> well, that's Pierce James Brennan, Bond.
0: I think. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, exactly. Uh, called the Dark Valley, and he describes the 1930s as the Dark Valley. Or actually, he describes, okay. I guess, the whole period from uh, from 1929 till 1945 as a very dark and very long valley. And in, you know, in, not in the same way, but I think it's at least worth spending a little bit of time thinking of our time mm. as us entering or being some ways down into a dark valley exactly how far down we are i don't know
0: um
1: you know maybe we're almost reached the bottom of the valley uh and we have to cross the valley now is that crossing going to take two years or 20 years that's also you know something we need to think a little bit about Uh, and perhaps we haven't even we're a long 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 way from the bottom of the valley unfortunately there are certain signs both when it comes to uh, the unsustainability of our economic systems and also the almost it sometimes feel you know structural instability of planetary systems, mm. not structural in the mm. long, long, long mm. sense, but you know we've or they have been destabilized to such an extent that the process of restabilizing them is going to be. Both long and probably quite painful. Mm. Um, you know, when tectonic plates move, they move all the time, and most of the time you don't feel them, they need move, but sometimes they need to readjust very suddenly, and the earthquakes that come from that are not fun. It comes
0: for... back to that desire, doesn't it? For, to, to just picking that up, that desire for the, 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 the tension between control and letting go, as we said right at the beginning. Yeah, is yeah. yeah. Our, our, ability as a species, not just as individuals, to be able to collectively understand that we can let go and it's not gonna all be disastrous. You know? No, I, no, I, and I, in some cases get, it's
1: completely liberating. Yeah. It's, 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 so, you know, it ushers in some of the you know greatest humans human achievements are usually accompanied by someone letting go of yeah. some um, you know some deeply, deeply, deeply held assumption. And as soon as you let go of that, of course you um you you know you were you're liberated and uh and and can start shaping the future in a completely new way
0: it seems to me I mean, uh, alex that you, you, what you're still exploring here is that is is a little bit like what um oh call de soto the guy who wrote the book um the practice of everyday life. It's a really interesting piece. I'm sure you've come across it, but he's yeah, I've talking. Heard
1: of I haven't read it.
0: I'll send you a link. Yeah. I think you'd love it. But but he gets into this idea of what he calls the operational concept. What is it that helps us to create a, a shared narrative of our urbanness? Because that's primarily what's populated the planet now is this sort of urban mind, and he talks about space having a a relational space, ourselves inside environments where we have the physical opportunity to explore something without the preconditions of the old stuff imposing on it. So we share that understanding of space. And then the the opportunity of thinking of it as as a moving system. So it's continually, it's like a series of different planes of connection going on. They're not all mm-hmm. the same. There's no no assumption that we'll end up with a uniform view, but there's an understanding that these different tectonic plates, if you like, or planes, are all there, and we, we need to expose them better. And then the last bit is this sort of idea that there is a universal pattern then that we begin to explore together, which is the thing that holds it in, in tension, in sort of critical tension. And de work on that is really intriguing because he does it... He He explores the idea of gatherings... As walking, so he walks the city with his pe- with the people he works with. So instead of going mm. into a room, they would walk mm. and talk, a bit like we did in the mm. forest at Millmont, you know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. n- and breaking from the conventional places itself opens up part of that toolkit. I think does it not? You know, the the the, yeah. the ingredients that you're talking about. The... Yeah, I.
1: Yes, no, uh, completely because it is. You know, go, going on with them, you know, pushing that metaphor mm, maybe mm. further than it carries, but the <laughs> metaphor of the Dark Valley and, of yeah. the, you know, our little group of Band of Brothers... You know, maybe there are seven billion of us, but it's still a relatively small group in the wider scheme of things that mm. are needing to. Um, you know, we're going to need to cross that valley to get down in that valley and cross. And and you know, we know that there's another side, and I think we all carry within us the hopefulness that, of course, there is. Um, you know, that we will we will emerge um, and start climbing up again. Mm. But uh, there, that, that really, to me, that 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 awakens. You know, for. That brings, you know, four crucial questions, where the first is the one I was alluding to earlier, that, you know, the question of what do we need to leave behind uh, when we pack our bag for this crossing? What, you know, what intellectual constructs, what models, what technologies, even though abandoning an existing technology has proved throughout history to be something very, very difficult. Yeah. yeah. uh, There are very few examples of us uh, uh, actively renouncing to use a technology that has been
0: um,
1: invented. Um, which in many cases is probably a good thing but in other cases may not be a good thing but uh, so what do we leave behind um, and then of course the three questions of what replaces it is you know what kind of thinking do we already now need to at least create the conditions for that thinking to emerge mm.
0: um
1: you know thinking in terms of models of of uh, of uh cultures and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: even of values Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then at a much more practical level what are the solutions what are the you know the new technologies in a way that are the the um the operationalization or the applications of that new thinking Mm -hmm. um and there there is this fascinating paradox that we have such a tendency to view our current you know, set of tech- our technological context, to use the word of I think it was Kevin Kelly who described it as the technium, uh, basically the sum of all the technologies around us uh we have this tendency to view it as a the pinnacle of all of human development and b something that you know well it can maybe be refined a little bit around the edges but we basically reached you know peak technology um uh, is is a somehow i mean even though <laughs> Many people will say, "No, no, 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 no. That's not how we look at it." And many mm. of the technological entrepreneurs will tell us, "No, no. What drives me is developing the next." Mm. But I, what I'm, what I'm getting at is, I think that most of us somehow have that implicit assumption that we are at some kind of peak technology. Uh, what we were talking about earlier—the the reticence with which we view completely new. Uh, approaches to for instance uh, you know the quantum cleaning of water or these yeah. uh, cancer yeah. treatments is i think an example of that yeah. and yet if you talk about another area of human creativity if you look at music and the arts or something the whole notion that we have reached peak creativity in uh, in music is is just ridiculous yeah. uh, um, and that that's i I find that that's an interesting a uh, little question to explore
0: it's a bit like Bill Mollison the permaculturist talks about the the um, the yield is the yield that's potentially there on a planetary level is effectively unlimited it's simply about course, our imagination of course and of course and our imagination yeah. can inhibit as much as it can enable of course um, was it
1: was it you or was it
0: at Milmont someone had a cherry stone yeah, yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and
1: th- that was so powerful, just mm. thinking that that little piece, little thing that you had in your pocket mm. was act- could actually, potentially, and this isn't science fiction, I mean, potentially, yeah. the yield that can come out of that one cherry stone mm. is, inf- is
0: infinite. Yeah. You know, it's simply a question of the conditions into which it's curated almost, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly.
1: And... Exactly. And that that's uh, that's yet again, another I don't want to call it an attack on the environmental movement, but it's an unanswered question to the environmental movement mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the sustainable, let's call it the sustainability crowd who have mm-hmm. been you know, talking about this notion of limits and that everything is limited and yet, you know, the cherry stone in your pocket shows Mm. that, well, there are some things that are not limited,
0: that are limitless. I mean, look at it from just asking the question of nature. If nature considered itself to be limited, then probably we wouldn't have got much further than a green glob.
1: Exactly. It it seems
0: to me there's a whole sort of insanity to nature that's an illustration of what we could do potentially the the you know okay okay we'll create a tree nah to hell with that we'll create a yeah. thousand different types of trees you know yeah. uh, you yeah. know the whole thing is like just utterly about imaginative possibilities and nope. Oh, completely mm. and
1: and and uh, in that process you need the new conte- the new concepts yeah. you need like you know Ele- eleanor ostrom comes and talks about the global commons yeah yeah i get that that's a, that's a concept that 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 to me helps mm. me understand how you know the, the whole notion of stewardship and uh, even you know global government and governance and global policy and mm. everything is is enriched by that by by an, an innovation if you like like her
0: yeah, I mean, the open open systems are clearly a, a really interesting new way of thinking about common yeah. shared practice. Yeah, yeah. no, and, no, and
1: completely, completely. Without,
0: without getting wrapped into the preoccupations of intellectual property and, and ownership yeah. at a point where, oh, you know, yeah. those are really not the things in a sense that the human effort needs to be focused on at this point. It's, no,
1: absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, so there, there is that need for the new thinking. Then there is, there is, you know, as I said, the need for the new solutions, the new technologies, and mm. out of mm. out, and they will come, probably now not out of the old thinking. Um, there are numerous wonderful inspirational quotes of the limitations of applying old thinking on new problems. Mm-hmm. Um, pick, which, pick, pick whichever <laughs> pick, Einstein pick. quote you like, <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, that, that's the second. Well, in, in my case, that's, you know, an important, that, that's a, a, an important third question. Um, you know, where do those uh, solutions emerge and what can the wider we do to make them spread? And also, what can the wider we do to ensure that we don't commit too grave, new, big whoopses? Um, <laughs> we, will, we will make them because uh you know the, the that's almost part yeah. of the whole yeah the whole equation mm-hmm. um but just making them in such a way that it minimizes the damage on you know on coming generations and in many cases on present generations mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. yeah that's, and then of course the fi- the final question which is perhaps you know the one um the the one that where our work and my work mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. tries to come in is is around leadership and who are the leaders uh mm-hmm. who will help Uh, lead this little band of seven billion humans embarking on the crossing of the dark valley Mm -hmm. Uh, you know who are they and uh, how can we help them grow and how can we help them step up Um, Mm -hmm. and how can we even there somehow leave behind in a not in a literal sense but leave behind in a in a metaphorical sense the leaders that won't be able to help us through the crossing Mm. Um, mm. So it's it's uh, that, so that becomes a, a a very you know a very dr- a strong driver mm. uh, and a strong motivation and also an area where I should say that uh, with the new for me new Chinese friends that I've been working with and and new Ch- new friends that we've been mm. making mm. Uh, are. know very much uh, part of the same journey they come at it from a different context as I was talking earlier and and um, they there are obviously as many flawed parts of their paradigm as there are flawed parts in our paradigm but uh, by you know by getting together uh, and um, engaging in open explorative conversations we We learn together. and this is a very it's this is also a very I mean, as we were talking about earlier, these are very human experiences, be it Milmo or Telberg or some of the gatherings that we've been doing in recent years in um, in in various places in china and in, in the West that uh, it's uh, it's I mean, even though I realize that our you know, if you bring it up to a superficial model, our let's say our operational model implies, airplane flights and, um, you know, carbon footprints, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Learning together without being physically together is, uh, we haven't cracked that nut yet. Um, And in a way it's not very strange because, um, you know, researchers tell us that uh, communication between two two human beings is, uh, what is it, you know, 55% is body language and another 37% is intonation and tone of voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then 7% is the content of the communication, the actual substance that's being communicated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you have, like you and I on this uh, Skype call, um, yeah, the 7% are there, and part of the voice intonation, uh, even though, you know, our senses aren't really attuned to feeling all those senses, all those intonations when you're not together in the same room, Mm -hmm. but the 55% Mm -hmm. of body language are not there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And 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 that's
1: where, you know, that's why... Uh, learning together really implies, you know, being together. Or to use more beautiful poetic quote of uh, Albert Schweitzer, who talks about, you know, sometimes our light goes out, but it is blown again into instant flame by an encounter with another human being. And when he says encounter, um, he means encounter. It's not a Skype call or a, or, a, <laughs> or a or, a hang, or a being on a Google Hangout together.
0: It's a consciousness thing, now, isn't it? It's, it's 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 being in an environment together and feeling what happens yeah you completely know, that,
1: completely that... completely it's it's the it's the beautiful another god i, I feel like i'm a quotation dictionary <laughs> but, but a, a line from uh, Maya Angelou which i absolutely adore is when she talks about how you know people will always forget what you say people will always forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel um mm. and mm. Uh, that's That's the, in a way, the 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 toolbox or the laboratory or the you know whichever figure of speech you want to use. uh, I I know Mm -hmm. I'm sometimes fall too much into the overly masculine parallel to the toolbox. Which is a bit of a strange, strange thing, since I'm the most unpractical person <laughs> there is when it comes to using tools. Uh, but still, the, the toolbox for creating the learning together, for creating mm. Mm. um is uh, is there to be, um, you know, to be not completely invented, but it's at least there to be filled and developed. Mm. And uh, that's, I think, a worthy cause for. And an important task for people like you and me and many of our friends. Mm.
0: Thank you, Alex. That's a, I think that's a lovely ending actually for the for the conversation, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Because yeah, it gives us yeah. a sort of point of departure to go away and have a think about well, what what would we put in that imaginary toolbox or that real mm. toolbox as we go forward yeah. now? Yeah, mm.
1: and uh, and to who. Who do we want to um, engage with those mm. methods or those processes or those mm. tools or whatever we want to call it?
0: Splendid. Yeah. Thank you cool. for your time. That's super. And uh, thanks.
1: Thanks very much. And have a great Friday and a good weekend. And and you my
0: and friend. Yeah. Spring, spring will come one day, as Rainer says. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. Lovely. Take but care. Thank you, Alex. Take care. Thanks, Paul. Bye bye. So thank you to Alex Crawford for spending time with me twice this week to make this recording. It's much appreciated. And Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, if you have any feedback or comments, please do send them in. It's always good fun to hear from people in different parts of the world in terms of your response and what you think we could perhaps do next in future programs. We've not long ago set ourselves up on on, uh, Patreon. You can go and give us a bit of sponsored support if you want to for the price of a cup of coffee a month. It just helps us to do the necessary stuff in the office and be do, do the recordings and buy the gear we need and such like. Um, so please go to uh, www.patreon.com forward slash paulclark and you can put in a little donation if you feel so inclined. Tell your friends and family, Pass them a, pass the word around. Please review us on iTunes if you haven't done so. Um, good, the bad and the ugly. It's always useful. Um, thank you to Andrew from The Boats for the music. Um, thank you to all of you guys for listening and sticking with us in the last few months. We've got more to come on series two. And we are soon to give an announcement about the new book. So I'll do that probably in a couple of programs time when things are finished. And Hannah's done the necessaries in the office in terms of getting the graphics sorted and what have you. Okay, have a great weekend. Thank you for taking part in Naturally Smart People. Talk to you soon. Goodbye.